Amen. Maybe your Bible's turned to St. John chapter 4. Our lesson today, title is All Are Welcome. Our objective is that we would learn uh, to treat everyone as loved by God and certainly help the, help the gospel uh, to get to them as well. Our family theme is uh, that Christ transformed lives. Uh, we have three key truths. Number one, every person matters to Jesus. Number two, Jesus wants to transform every person's life. And number three, he wants every person to hear the good news of salvation. Now, again, those are our three key truths. And wouldn't you agree that that's what God wants? He loves everybody. Everybody matters. He wants to change everybody's lives. And he wants everyone to hear uh, the good news of uh, salvation. Under our connect this morning, our question is uh, to name groups of people who normally want nothing to do with each other, and uh, anything that comes to mind. Now, that could be uh, something serious as uh, a country that hate each other, or even sport rivals, things like that. Uh, name a few. Oh, yeah, okay. And is there a big divide there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, what about... Left and right in politics, same thing. Uh, I don't know, it's been four or five years ago now, our national convention was held in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I'll never forget Brother Mark Price, who's our moderator, he said to us that morning we first met, did you see the dark cloud over Michigan this morning? And the bottom line is Michigan and Ohio State are rivals, you know. And so, and those are things like that. And, and certainly for either uh, trivial things like that or groups of people like you mentioned, Cheryl, uh, there are different groups that simply don't like each other. Well, today we're going to talk about two of those groups and see how Jesus came along, who was a Jew. And, uh, well, let me ask you this question. Do you think ethnic barriers bother Jesus? Yes or no? No. Uh, he, he, not at all. In fact, they didn't affect him uh, in any way at all. And so, uh, again, him being a Jew, he did break down an ethnic barrier uh, in order to help a Samaritan woman how to find a satisfaction for her greatest need. Well, again, we'll be in John 4 this morning. And it's interesting, if you're here last week in chapter 3, uh, we saw where Jesus uh, talked to a fellow named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a ruler of the Pharisees. But today, he's going to talk to a woman uh, that he meets at the, at the well, who I guess, socially speaking, is on the other end of the scale. We have someone, uh, Nicodemus, who is high up, uh, well-respected, and this woman that he meets at the well, not so respected because of her lifestyle. So, again, we have one who is socially respected, one not at all, which one did Jesus love the most? What do you mean both? He, he loved them the same, didn't he? It doesn't matter. Aren't you glad for that? It doesn't matter who you are, our background, ethnic, doesn't matter. Jesus loves us the same. Well, our first key truth in John chapter 4, first nine verses, that Jesus, uh, and when in his eyes, everyone matters. Now, by the way, Dan is out of town. Um, Alan's on an errand to get Brother Dick. So if you want to volunteer to read, we'll give you a chance. First nine verses, John 4. Anybody want to volunteer? 
You got it. All right, thank you, Cheryl. Um, notice again, um, by the way, Jason ha- wasn't feeling well. He went back home for this morning. Uh, but, uh, so he won't have, a, I had a map up to show today. But notice what's going on in verse one. What's going on there? What does verse one tell us? What's happening? Okay. Okay, now, and that's exactly right, Cheryl. But notice what it says. He baptized more disciples than who did? Than John. Now, we're not going to take time to turn there, but you know, when John was baptizing there in the Jordan, uh, the Pharisees came out basically uh, on a investigation. What's going on here? Who do you think you are? Are you the Christ? No, I'm not him. Are you that one? No. Are you the prophet? No. But he caused a lot of stir among religious leaders. And now all of a sudden, uh, Christ, and again, he didn't actually baptize, his disciples did. But he now, according to the Pharisees, was baptizing more than John did. And for the Pharisees, that wasn't good news, okay? They didn't like what was going on. Now, let me ask you a question. First of all, let me make a statement, then we'll ask the question. Because tensions were heating up, Jesus decides he's going to leave Judea. Was he afraid of the Pharisees? I can't hear you. Why not? Okay. If he wasn't afraid of them, why did he leave? There's a reason. The fact that he was not afraid of them, but he would die on whose time? On his own time on God's. And he knew it wasn't time yet for that convocation. So he leaves Judea, and he's going to head north to Galilee. Now, it's interesting. I, I was hoping to have a map to show you. We can't do that. If you will, use your imagination. Can you picture a map of Israel in your mind? And the southernmost part of Israel is Judea. The northernmost part is Galilee. What's in the section between the two? Samaria, okay? Now, when I was in school many years ago, they told me the greatest... I mean, the shortest point between two, two distances is what? Straight line. And so the shortest way to go was simply follow straight north through Samaria into Galilee. 
But there was a problem. About 722 years before Christ, the Assyrians came in and took the northern kingdom, Israel, in captivity. And they deported most of the people, except from the poorest. And they left them in the land. And those Jews that were left in the land, uh, for you know, they had no choice. They intermarried with these pagans. And the sad thing was, their children, uh, the Jews didn't like them, and neither did the pagan nations. They were considered half-breeds, or a mixed race of people. And so because of that, the Jews hated the Samaritans. But what about the Samaritans? They hated the Jews, all right? And so if you can picture in your mind a map of Israel uh, looking north to south, Judah, Judea being in the southern part, Jerusalem in the southern part, uh, Samaria in the middle part, uh, Galilee in the upper part, to the east of Israel was the Jordan River. And so most Orthodox Jews, rather than go straight through Samaria, they would cross the Jordan River and travel up east the longer route to get to Galilee. That's how they would do it. Uh, they considered them pagans and things like that. Uh, but they would rather take the longer route than to come in contact with the Samaritans because they really didn't, well, they despise them is the bottom line. So that's what was going on. Uh, and by the way, the uh, we'll find out today there was a dispute between the Jews and the Samaritans over a lot of things, even on where to worship. Uh, but again, not only did they intermarry the pagans, uh, they also um, adopted some of their pagan worship uh, habits, if you will. And uh, they chose uh, Mount Gerizim as their place to build their temple, their tabernacle. And the reason is, uh, if you go back to Deuteronomy, and, and, they, and they would quote that to you, uh, when God got ready to bring Israel into the promised land, uh, he appointed two mountains, Mount Ebal, E-B-A-L, and Mount Gerizim. Mount Ebal was a mountain of, of cursing. Mount Gerizim was a mountain of blessing. And from each perspective mountain, they would either give the cursing if you didn't obey and the blessing if you did. So the Samaritans chose that mountain, if you were Gerizim, uh, to be their mountain. Now, the city of Sychar uh, is located near the base of that mountain, but also that's where Jacob's well was uh, located. Now, again, uh, it was a small village uh, near to what we talk about in the Old Testament. Uh, the town of Shechem was located. Uh, but there again, uh, it, was mo- it was best known for a well that Jacob had dug uh, that, that was uh, for the land he had given uh, to Joseph. But anyway, uh, later on, after the exodus uh, from Egypt, uh, they would bury Joseph's bones in that same area. But in, in, our, in our text today, now again, do you think Jesus knew the route most Jews would have taken to go to Galilee? Sure he did. But John includes, the King James says he must needs go through Samaria. Uh, it means he needed to go. He needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Say it again. Yes, indeed. 
It was a woman who needed to hear from him. Now, John says it was about the sixth hour, that's noon. And again, uh, I didn't map it out as far as finding how many miles it was, but they had traveled from Jerusalem and they come to the base of Mount Gerizim there at that town of Sychar, there where Jacob's well was. And what was, according to John, what was Christ's physical condition at that point? Ah, oh, he was tired. Why? He traveled that long way. And not only was he tired, guess what else? He was thirsty. What does that tell us about Jesus? What do you say, Cheryl? He's human. Meaning what? That exactly, exactly. He got hungry, he got thirsty. I thought he was God. He was God. But he still was completely human. He had needs just like us. Now, evidently, according to later on the text, the disciples had gone into Burger King. Now, think about this for a minute. I'm, I'm being silly there. Number one, unless I miss my guess, even these disciples, if they had their choice, they would not have traveled through Samaria. Would you agree? So now, not only are they there, they got to look for something to eat there. That's where they're at. I mean, by the way, if you were a Jew and you stepped foot in Samaria before you stepped back into Israel, guess what you did? You shook the dust off your feet. Because you didn't want to carry that unclean dirt back into your country. And now there they are in that unclean country looking for food to eat. How many knows that sometimes... God has a way of humbling us. Doesn't he? Now, we can only assume if Jesus was hungry, they were hungry. If he was tired, they were tired. And, and you know, we could, we could the list go on and on and on. So in verse 7, now, in chapter 3, there was a man. Now there's a woman. And what was she doing there? Getting water. She came to get some water. Now, certainly, <clears throat> um, doesn't mean that never happened. That, that, but normally they come either early in the morning or late in the evening when it cooled off. But she came in the middle of the day. Wonder why she did that. What? Yeah. Think about that. Now, we're going to learn a little bit later on more about her past. And surely people wouldn't talk about her, would they? (laughs) Well, we know they would. Things haven't changed. So there's Christ sitting at a well. And all of a sudden, he's surprised by a woman who shows up. You think he's surprised? No. Guess what he knew? He knew she was coming. He knew she was coming. So the first thing he does is ask her for what? 
Give me a drink. Can I have a drink? Ah, man. I remember growing up, my great-grandmother owned a farm, a small farm in southern Illinois. And uh, I suppose that she let my mom and dad live there for free. And uh, we probably lived there until I was four or five years old. But I remember we were fortunate at this old farm how we had running water. And running water consisted of a small pump located on the kitchen counter right by the sink you had to handle. And if you pumped it long enough, guess what happened to that water? It started to run. Now, I don't remember for sure, but I would, I would guess we probably had a water bucket sitting there. Did anybody remember those water buckets? Anybody? What do you mean, Mike? Okay. Did you ever use one? So you went to the, to the, to the cabinet, got you a fresh glass out? You're lying. What was by that water bucket? Are you in it? There's a dipper in there, right? And who drank from that dipper? Yeah. And I did that back in the day. Cheryl, did you? I try. I forgot you're a city gal. <laughs> oh, now like I said, we were fortunate to have running. We had a pump in ours, but I know some of them didn't have a pump. They had a well. And one neighbor later, my grandparents had a well under the front porch, if you will, right at the end of it. And you'd go and drop that water bucket down in there. And if you had to drop it a certain way, if you didn't, it'd float. Now, Cheryl, you city girls don't know about that, okay? But you want to be careful. You didn't want to look in that well. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Tracy? You're a city girl. <laughs> but anyway, okay, uh, you can only imagine. So there Christ is at the well. He wants a drink of water. By the way, he is thirsty. And so he sees this woman, and he says, give me the drink. What's her response? Well, they certainly would have shared that water bucket and the cup. Now, the first thing she recognized him is, is a Jewish man. And even normal Jewish men, I mean, not, when I say normal, I, don't, I mean someone who's not necessarily uh, a ruler of the Pharisees like Nicodemus was or a rabbi, uh, they wouldn't speak to women in public. And especially a rabbi would never speak to a woman in public. didn't matter who that woman was. I mean, she's a woman. You don't talk to her in public. But not only is she a woman, she's what? A Samaritan woman. So she's shocked. Now, our teacher guy pointed out, maybe here's the attitude. Oh, so that's how it is. We're not good enough for you unless you're thirsty you need a drink of water. Now, all of a sudden, you'll talk to me. That could have been part of it. <laughs> she couldn't believe that this Jewish man 
would ask her, a woman, a Samaritan woman on top of that, for a drink of water. Now understand, well, let me ask you this question. Was, was the request made that Jesus made for water, was it sincere? Yes. But her response was less than friendly. What's interesting, Jesus was not put off by her. And again, going back to what John said, Jesus needed to go to Samaria. And he needed to go because he knew there was kingdom work to be done there. And so he steps out of the Jewish norm. And he does it to bring God's message to people who at least early on would hardly even listen to him. And I've got to tell you, if that had been me, I'd have thought, there's no point talking to her about this. She don't care about our religion. She don't care about this. How many times have we thought that? Isn't that true? Well, I, I'm not going to talk to them about this or whatever. They, you know, let's apply it. We need to treat everybody with love and respect because Jesus loves them. And folks, he wants everyone to come to know him. By the way, I thought about this a moment ago. Anybody thirsty? Let's all meet back in the back. We'll get one glass. And we'll, we won't draw it out of a well. or we'll, we'll turn the tap on and we'll pass that glass around. Anybody in on it? <laughs> but aren't you glad we all drink from the same well spiritually? Jesus Christ, the one who gives living water. Well, let me ask you a question. Kind of get some discussion going. Why do you think it's difficult for us to step out of our comfort zone and to minister to people different than us? That's, okay, that's good. That's good. Somebody else? Why is it difficult for us? That's true. And we're all guilty of that from time to time. And you know, in, in my own life especially, and I've got to tell you folks, I know that there, and it's even today, there are times I miss opportunities because I'm afraid of what people might think or they might reject me. But the, one of the hardest things for me to learn, the power of my testimony is not in what I say, it's in the gospel itself. Only God can change lives. It's simply our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So number one, every person matters to Jesus, even the woman at the well. Second of all, he wants to transform every person's life. Anybody want to read from verse 10 through 26? Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. 
Thou wouldest have asked him of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? And drank there of himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well, I have had no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast is not my thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. When you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You, should, you worship what you know not. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit. And they that worship him, in spirit and in truth, he must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said unto him, I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. The woman is shocked that Jesus would ask her for a drink. But in verse 10, what does Jesus say to her? If you only knew who I was. If you only knew who it was that asked you for a drink, and like Pam said, I will give you living water. So what's her thought? What's her, what's she thinking about? Say again. Yeah, physical water. She's still concerned about this life. Why? Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that I don't have to come back to this well anymore? I can stay home and not have to put up with the gossip here at the well? And 
There's something I noticed here that I'm so glad of. God is patient with us, isn't he? He was with her and he is with us. And so he doesn't chide her for what she said. He begins to gradually and gently move her from the physical to the spiritual. So he didn't get upset, doesn't berate her, doesn't get defensive. He simply turns it around. You should be asking me. You should be asking me. And I'll give you water. Can you imagine? She's looking. What? Where's your bucket? You have nothing to draw with. I mean, you're not going to reach your hand down. This well's deep. Then she asks a question. Are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well? What's the answer? Yes, he is. She doesn't know it, but he is. So Jesus says, I'll give you some water where you'll never thirst again. Because Jesus at his living water springs up with eternal life. Now, wouldn't you agree he had her attention now? That's what she wanted, or she thought she did. So she says, I want some of that water. Now, notice how this is moving now, okay? So, in so many words, Jesus said, no problem. Just go get your husband and bring him back here. Poor Jesus didn't know. He, you know. he didn't know she didn't have a husband, did he? You know he did. <laughs> what do you think her thought was? She's not happy. And many believe that her, her reply was kind of harsh. I have no husband. Of course, Jesus knew that. He knew she'd been married five times, five times, and where she was living was illegitimate. Now it was against God's word. So, like most of us, when the conversation begins to get personal, we try to do what? Change the subject. Let's talking. Let's talk about. Something else. Hmm. Let's talk about what? Do what now? Yeah. In our society, let's talk about religion. I mean, come on, there's so many different religions in the world. As long as you believe, it doesn't matter what you believe, just believe. Be sincere. You Jews say, 
We need to worship in Jerusalem. We say we need to worship here in Mount Gerizim. So what about that? Forget about my husband. What about that? And again, he doesn't argue with her. And he says, it's going to come a time, it's already started. You won't need the mountain in Jerusalem to worship. And you won't need the mountain in Gerizim, Samaria, to worship. Because those who worship me have to worship me how? In spirit and in truth. Now, don't miss what's going on here. He doesn't shy away from the truth. She said, you say, you Jews. Now, remember, she first saw him as a Jewish man. By the time she gets here, she sees him as a prophet. So that's why she asked this religious question. You know, he's a preacher. So I'll ask you this question. You say and we say. And Jesus doesn't butter it up. He doesn't try to cover it over. He says, you're wrong. What you guys say, what you folks say is wrong. Salvation is of Jews. But again, his focus is not on what is then and now. It's what's coming and already beginning to start out. That we've got to worship God in spirit and in truth. And worship in spirit is sincerity. And worship in truth involves according to right te- to biblical teaching. And by the way, tonight on Sunday evening we're going to begin a series on worship on Sunday night. Now both the Jews and Samaritans believed Messiah was coming. And both groups believed that when Messiah came, he would right every wrong. That was common among them. And this woman said to Jesus, I know what you're saying, but we're waiting to meet Messiah. What did Jesus say to her? You're speaking to him right now. The very one you're talking to is Messiah. I want to say this morning that there's no doubt uh, the woman at the well came for a legitimate physical need. She needed water. Physical water. And yes, she could find that need met at Jacob's well or any any other well. But there's only one person who could meet her deepest need, and that's who? Jesus. And that's our application this morning. Because only Jesus Christ can meet our deepest needs and give us a spiritual change in our lives. Now, now, again, we're still in application here. What did Jesus know about that woman? Everything, yes. He knew she'd been married five times. He knew that he she was uh, living in an illegitimate relationship. He knew that. So did he turn her away because of that? No. You see, he knows everything about us, about her, 
about us. And he still loves us. He loves her. And he wants us and he wants her to walk with him. Well, we see the woman as well. She was distracted uh, by a lot of earthly concerns. What are some of the things that distract people from thinking about or even addressing spiritual things? What are some of the things that distract people today from doing that? Say what now? Okay, they make excuses. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll get right to God when later when I do this. Let me get my family raised. You know, blah 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 blah. And then, and the fact that they're distracted by worldly things, and in situations like that, more times than not, then never comes. They're too busy for God. Too much entertainment. Chasing money, power, whatever it is. Simple desires. Uh, Again, Jesus knew her situation. But notice he confronted her about it. Now again, he was Christ. He's the Messiah. He's sinless. So if we're going to confront people about their sin, they may see it being rude. How can we help them to see their sin without being disrespectful, without being rude? Say it again. Is that going to win them? Now, one thing I've learned a long time ago, and I learned it from my first pastor, especially, first of all, is it true, anybody you meet, is it not true, Cheryl, we can sit down and say, you're a sinner. How's that going to sit with them? Do you watch, Cheryl? It does. But here's what he doesn't understand. We have to remind them the Bible says all have sinned. And guess who that includes? That includes me. I'm a sinner too. And Jesus came and he saved me. And because all have sinned, you're a sinner as well. And the way that Jesus saved me, he can save you as well. Because people need to realize we care about them. And certainly we need to share the truth. But the truth needs to be seasoned with grace that we might win people to Christ. Number one, every person matters to Jesus. Number two, he wants to transform every person's life. Number three, he wants everybody to hear the good news of the gospel. Anybody want to read verse 27 through 42? And upon this came his disciples. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. And they marveled that he was talked that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, "What seekest thou?" Or, "Why talkest thou with her?" The woman then left her water pot 
and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come with the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gather fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestow no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. For the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him... They besought him that he would tarry with him. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Christ is having church. God is working. He tells the woman of Samaria that he is indeed the promised Messiah. And here come the disciples. They got bags of groceries. And what are they shocked at? Talking to her, a woman of Samaria. So the woman goes back to town. What did she forget to take with her? A water pot. Said, you won't believe, there's a guy out here. He's told me everything about my life. Surely he is the Messiah. Disciples realize, Lord, you got to be hungry. You need to eat something. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. That's what satisfied him. That's his highest priority. Second of all, he says, fellas, there's a spiritual harvest. You have been saying among yourselves that in four more months, then comes the harvest. And he says, look up. Now, I read this, studied this many years ago, 
And if my memory serves me correctly, the Samaritan men had a habit of wearing something white. I don't know whether it's on their head, a robe of some kind, I don't know. But you can see that this white grove of people coming, this white, white, whatever it might have been, some kind of white clothing. And Jesus look up. The fields are white under harvest. Meaning what? Go out and pick up. Somebody else has labored. All you need to do is harvest that crop. Not four months. When's the time to do it? Now. There is no better time. By the way, the Samaritans invited Jesus to do what? Stay. I can hear the disciples talking under their breath now. You've got to be kidding me. So Jesus stays two more days. By the way, later on in the ministry, as Christ is returning back through to Judea, to Jerusalem, and they're passing through a city of Samaria, ask the permission to go through, they say no. You know, the disciples prayed, Lord, let us ask for fire and brimstone to come down in this city. But God loved them, and he sent his son to die for all people. Let's all stand if you would. Next week, chapter 6, an endless supply. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for dying for our sins, for the sins of everyone. We love and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for coming.